Well, good morning, Grace. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, and then turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to begin in Galatians uh, 5 here for just a little while, and that's going to be our launch pad. It's the launch pad of our series, but then we're going to end up over in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, Marjorie had the life. She was the wife of a well-respected man, happy mom, had five, uh, five kids, stay-at-home mom, enjoyed her life. Uh, she had a stable home. I mean, literally, when you, when you looked at her life, everything was going great until it wasn't. And over, overnight, things, things changed. Her, her church was, was torn apart. The, the, the pastor was, was unfaithful. And as a, as a result, it just impacted the entire church. But, but it impacted more than the church. It tore apart Marjorie's home because the pastor was her husband. And, and instead of, of, of repenting, Instead of making restitution and, and taking a path of reconciliation, her husband just ran. He didn't repent. He ran. He left her behind, left, left the five kids between the age of three and 13 behind, didn't pay a dime of child support. He was gone. He was gone. And Marjorie had to try to pick up the pieces and start over again and wouldn't you know, she, she moved to the, 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 the town that I grew up in. And though by the time I was old enough to, to notice anything, it just seemed like Marjorie had always been there. She was just always there. And, and as a little kid, I didn't, know the, I didn't know the entire story. But then as a teenager, when I heard little bits and, and pieces, and I knew that, that it hadn't been an easy life as, as she started over, um, I, was, I was amazed because there were times when on Wednesday night, our church would have, uh, we called it a prayer meeting, but honestly, we didn't do much praying. We did more uh, the sharing testimonies and that sort of thing, which is good. And, and I remember on a Wednesday night, I, I would often hear Marjorie stand up and, and with tears, she, it was like this weird cry and laugh thing where it, it wasn't bad tears, it was joyful tears. She would talk about how thankful she was for the love of God, how it had transformed her, how faithful God was. And, and I remember thinking of this lady who just exuded love thinking, man, what, what is up with that? Because I mean, even as a growing up in church, man, I, I knew a lot of great people. There were a few people I knew like Marjorie, whose, whose life, there was just something. Her face would just shine when she would talk about God's faithfulness. But it was more than just that. Like every, almost every Sunday night, a whole bunch of us, she would have, I don't know how many teenagers over to her house. And I never thought about this till later. She's on a limited income, uh, you know, doesn't have hardly anything. And yet she has, we would have sometimes up to 20, 25 teenagers over at her house. And we're dumb teens. We expected she was going to feed us. And she would. She would, she, it might be popcorn. It might be hot dogs, whatever. We would come together. We would laugh. And it's interesting because this week I was thinking out of that group that would gather in her house. Uh, and there's so many of them who were deeply impacted. So many that are in ministry today. And all of us would, would look back and, and say that we were deeply impacted by the love of a, of a woman. And, and, and it was weird because I remember thinking, why why is it that she, she, she is different? Why is it that she can still love? Why is it that she's still giving praise even in the middle of everything? What is the secret? And you know, as, as 
we kicked off the series a little bit. I, I mean, the secret is, is actually one of the most open secrets you can find anywhere. It's, it's, it's found throughout scripture, especially here as we're, as we're looking at, at the fruit of the spirit. And in Galatians chapter five, the apostle Paul, when he was, when he was writing to this, this church in, in Galatia and, and trying to let them see that it's not this legalism going back to more rules and that sort of thing. That's not what you want. He, he just said simply, it's, it's this. It's verse 16 of chapter five, walk by the spirit, he says. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And, and then he, as he goes on to describe the flesh, he, goes, he gets to verse 22 and he's describing the fruit of the spirit. And he said, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. He said, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in, in, in step with the spirit. And you know, it's interesting because when I think back, when I think of the, the different people who have deeply impacted my life, who there was just something that was different to mark them. People like Marjorie, they, they had found the secret that's really not a secret. It's right, it's right here in the scripture. The, the, the secret of growing in holiness and, and living a life in which there is clear like there is tangible evidence of a person that knows Jesus has been transformed. That there's just something, there's something that you can't put your finger on other than you know it, you see it is, is this. It's just to be led by, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I know that, but that's like really mystical. Like the Holy Spirit, I mean, I mean like, can I see him? Like, I, like, I'd, like to, I'd like to follow, what does that what does that mean? And so throughout this series, we're, we're talking about what this means, what this, this looks like. Because what this really means in practical terms to, to walk in the spirit is that, that we're just submitting to, to his control, to follow his lead, to allow him to exert influence over us instead of submitting to our, our natural desires, chasing after what we want, because there's fruit that comes from that, right? And, and there's a different fruit, but you're saying, well, that's still, I don't, I don't get this. What's, this. what's this look? How is this fruit produced? And, and this is the crazy, awesome part of this. We actually become godly, and it's really simple. We actually become godly as, huh, get this, we spend time with God. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, wow, here we go. No, no, listen, no, we're gonna talk about this. Let's talk about this in a very practical way. Holiness always begins with God. It doesn't begin with us. Like, like, for instance, you see a person and you look at their life and there's fruit and you can tell there's something different. The, the, the answer is not, huh, you know what? I want to, there's something special about this guy over here, Rodney. You know what? You, can you stand up, Rodney? I bet the secret is you got to grow a beard like this. That is what the secret is. No, that's, that's not it. You can grow a beard and, and you, you think that's what it, no, listen, it's not that it starts with us that we work harder. It's that, that we walk closer, that, that we're spending time with God. It's this whole idea of intimacy. You see, you become like the people you spend time with. My buddy over here, Will Sprunt, I love this guy, director of discipleship. I can tell when I've been spending a lot of time with Will Sprunt. I start telling corny jokes. Like, I, dad jokes just flow out of me. The more I'm with him, the more I become like him. 
Have you noticed that? You hang out with certain people, they just rub off on you. It's this whole idea of spending time with someone. And not like, like, like for instance, when you go to Winco, you know, you're standing in line. Are, anybody here, are you that type of person that you like to talk to the person you're standing in line with? Let me see you. I like, like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I like, I'm an extrovert, but when I get in a line, I'm like very focused on get in, get out. I mean, very rarely have I had deep conversations with the person in front, the person in back. My mom, on the other hand, she talks to everybody. Like she knows everybody has the information, knows the kids by the time we leave. Not me. So it's not like, like we know somebody just by being their general vicinity. I'm talking about intimacy with a person where you get to know someone. Like, like it's, it's this whole thing of, of, of hearing from God. How, how, how do we hear from God? Let's just talk really, really simple basic. How, how do we hear from God? Is it like this mystical thing? Like I'm gonna tune my, tune my ear. Well, here's the deal. If you don't hear his word that he's given us, you're never gonna hear it when he speaks in, in your heart and spirit because you won't recognize his voice. And so, so we, 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 we spend time, we, we talk back with him. We actually get excited over this. And I, like, I'm not, this is no, like if you're like, I don't get excited when it comes to praying. I do not get excited when it comes to reading the word of God. This is not me saying guilt, 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 shame, 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 watch your problem. No, it just means that you probably haven't got to know him as well because until I got to know, uh, and until I got to know Lori, I, I mean, she was just another, per, she would have just been another face. But when Lori and I, I, I get to know her, then I'm like, I want to date her. And then it's like, man, this is, I want to spend time with her. I want, and, and the more I, I spend time with her, then I'm really excited. Like, I can't wait till we, we get to spend more time. There, there's a thrill that comes that when you get to know somebody, it goes deeper. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you care more probably about the person that, that you're related to or married to or, or whatever than you do about most people. You know them the best. Well, this is, this is what I'm talking about. We, we, we become like, like those that we, we, we spend time with. And, and so this is where I want you to turn over to, to 1 Corinthians 13. Have you ever heard about the attributes of God? Anybody ever, you just hear that thrown out, attributes of God? Like, I don't even know what that means. Well, here, here's, here's what, when you hear that phrase, attributes of God, it's just talking about the characteristics that make God, God. The characteristics that if he didn't possess them, he wouldn't be God. Now, there are two types of attributes. There's, there's first the non-communicable uh, attributes, and you're like, I have no idea what that means. Okay, that's just really, it's, it's, it's the attributes that can't be passed on. So for instance, God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, God can be everywhere at once. And you're like, that's my mom. No, it's not your mom. Like that, you think it is, it's not. Th those are attributes that cannot be, cannot be passed on. But there are attributes, God's attributes, that those characteristics to make him God, there are some that can be passed on. And we just read about it. This is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, so on and so forth, okay? So what, what, what you've got to know about this, though, is that many times what we see is that these, these attributes, these attributes can't just be described. Like, for instance, in this series, we're not going to be talking about today, I'm talking about love. I'm not gonna have you walk away. Okay, here's three simple steps to you becoming an expert at loving. Like, I can't do that. Like, there is nothing that I'm gonna give you today that, that in an instant is gonna just, oh man, thank you, Keith. I am just, 
I have mastered loving. No, you, it's relationship. You got to grow. It's spending, spending time with God. And so what you're going to see is that, and, and I'll, I'll just give you my big point right up front. Specifically, when it comes to love, the Bible never defines love. It just describes it. And so what we're going to do today is, is we're going to be fruit inspectors. So real quick, let me bring this up here. All right. Apple, banana. Do they grow on the same tree? No. Like if you have a tree, if you have that tree, I want that tree. I like, guess that'd be an amazing tree, but they don't. Like the reason we call it an apple tree is because an apple tree produces apples. If, if, you, have a, if you bought an apple tree and the next year it produces bananas, you did not buy an apple tree. You got ripped off, right? Okay, so, so here, here's the thing. We're, 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 going to, we're, we're going to have to be fruit inspectors because th- this, there is, you know, you can't describe this without, you know, the, the, the source. All this, for an apple to be an apple, it has to be, it comes from an apple tree. For a fruit to be a fruit of the spirit, it has to come from God. It has to, it has to be passed on by God. It's like, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, it was before my time, I think it was like 1964 or something like that. The Supreme Court was trying to articulate and define pornography. And one of the justices said this, he said, it's hard for me to articulate, he said, but you know it when you see it. In, in a similar way, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes it's hard to define, but, but. Like for instance, Marjorie, you know it, when you see it. I'm gonna leave that there because I'm gonna come back to this as, 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 we talk, as we talk this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 13, uh, 1 through, uh, 13, 1 through 13, the apostle Paul describes, gives us a picture of what this looks like. And here's, here's what he says. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now this is why it's important that he's writing these first verses. He's writing to a church in Corinth that is talented. Like, like they have, like if, if it's the church in town, they've got the worship team, they've got the kids program, they've got, man, incredible things, programs going on, incredible things are taking place. They have gifts, they've got talent, they've got it all. And yet, this passage that we know is the love chapter, like it might've been used at your wedding, which is a good thing, but it wasn't written in the context of, of weddings and, and love between a husband and wife. It was, it was used within the context of the church. And he, and, he, and he says, listen, without love, all these gifts does, doesn't mean anything. Verse two, if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And you're like, no, that, you know, you're something. Like you would, you would be given a position at a church. Like they're gonna put you in charge of a ministry. He's like, no, if, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. If I, get, if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What he does here is the first thing that, that Paul writes down that, that, that he points out to us, I think is really, really important, is that real Christianity is marked by love, not by knowledge, gifts, spiritual gifts, or passion. Because listen, spiritual gifts can be counterfeited. They really can. In fact, every false religion, every false religion has some sort of, some sort of spiritual gift they talk about. You know, you might get enlightenment. You might have a higher plane of knowledge or, or whatever the case happens to be. I mean, we can, there are, like I had a friend, I had a friend of mine who worked at a, at a crusade um, 
it was supposed to be like this healing crusade and they, he worked behind the scenes. He volunteered to work behind the scenes and they, had, and they put him in charge of, as people came forward, directing them either to the platform or to the group behind the platform. And it really ticked him off because the people that didn't have the obvious defects were sent to the platform because it'd be easy to say they're healed. And he said if, if they had crutches or they were in a wheelchair or whatever, they went to the other line they were prayed for there. And, and it really bothered him. So he said that if, if, if we got the gift of healing, we got the gift of healing. And listen, healing's a real gift. I mean, it's right. We know that this is a gift, but, but spiritual gifts can be counterfeited. We were doing... Uh, sermon prep this week, and Jason, uh, Pastor Jason, who, who's the pastor over Middleton, he was, he, we were going through this, he's like, man, he said, I remember, he said, I, he wasn't raised in a Christian home or anything like that, and he, he and a buddy went to, again, it was one of these crusade type things, and uh, they, had, they had said there are going to be all kinds of signs and wonders, and he's like, man, I'm going to show up and see what's, what's going on here. I, I want to be very careful because, listen, signs and wonders are real things, so don't, I'm not making fun of gifts. But there's also, I'm just making the point, there's a, these things can be easily counterfeited, and we can be swayed by what we see rather than the truth. And, 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 and so he said, he said in, in the middle of this time, they, they, in, they invited the, the congregation to turn around and, uh, and, and say something to the person behind them. And he said, the person turned around, and they started, he said, it was just weird stuff. And he said, I'm like, ah, I feel uncomfortable about this. He and his friend get up to walk out. They're looking for the exit, and people, they, the people are talking to him just get out and start following him. And he said, I looked around, I was like, this is freaking me out. He starts to run, they start to run. He said, and then other people start running. And they all started running, they started shouting, Jericho march, Jericho march, the walls are coming down. He's like, I'm trying to get out of here and I'm leading a revival. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> My point is this, my point is this, is not to diminish. There are times when, when God is gonna move and, and but, but again, we know it when we, when, when we see it. I, I'm just saying the spiritual gifts can be counterfeited. Knowledge in and of itself is, is not the heart of this. Real Christianity is marked by love. If it was marked by passion, Muslim extremists who threaten to blow themselves up, I mean, they literally would, would be better Christians than any of us. The, the point is, is not passion, knowledge, spiritual gifts. All of those things, all of those things are gifts from God. Those, those are all important. Don't, don't misunderstand me. He's saying that real Christianity is marked by love. But then he, he goes on as we, as we continue reading, he goes on to describe this. And here's what we see. And what we're going to see is that real Christian love can only be described by verbs. It can only be described by verbs. It can't be described by, by adjectives. No, love is, is only love when it acts. And, and, and this is the way we see love presented in, in the word of God. Because we, we know there's all kinds of definitions of love that, that aren't really love. Like, like you, love, you love your wife, you love your kids, you love your car, you love your dog, you love your football team, you love fishing. Here, here's the thing that... That means you have an emotional connection, but those are all different types of love. We can't, we can't just say that that's the same definition for each. Like, seriously, like if you love uh, your car when you love your wife or your husband, okay, like we got an issue. It's kind of like that old country song, uh, you know, about the, the whole, she said, you know, either me or fishing, I'm gonna miss her. You know, <laughs> like I, it's a totally different uh, take when it comes to love. Like, like puppy love. Remember when you were a kid? Like, I, I remember, like, if I, see, if I see a cute girl, I'm like, oh, dude. 
And, and like, I didn't want to make eye contact with her, but I was hoping she was looking at me. Dude, like, I thought, if, I, if you had asked me, I'm like, I, I think I'm falling in love with her. No, I wasn't. Like, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, if I'd have, mar- if I'd have married, uh, you know, if, I, if I'd have married every person that I, that I had that feeling toward when I, when I was a kid, I'd been married and divorced more, more times than Oprah's been on a diet. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's totally, <laughs> totally different. Totally, totally different type of thing. See, see, love, <laughs> that was good. I'm mean, that's good. I gotta let that go. I gotta let, woo. I'm gonna pay for that one. <laughs> I probably got blo- blocked on YouTube. But anyway, uh, now there's all kinds of ways that we define it. Like, like for instance, uh, like intimacy be- between a husband and wife, they call that making love or, or man, just intimacy and what, whatever sexual intimacy. That, no, that's not it. It's, it's the way he describes it is, is different. And, and here, here's, here's what Paul says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant, rude, doesn't insist, insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures, endures all things. And, and, and like, like, Probably many of you have heard those words, read those words, maybe memorized those words before, but there's a, there's a, there's a difference between hearing, even memorizing, and actually studying and, and letting this sink in and letting this form our, our understanding of what this is. He's, he's describing love, and as he paints this portrait of love, I, I think what we can say is that the one who's sitting for the portrait is Christ himself. And, and, and again, we're, we're inspecting fruit. And, and what I did this week is, is not, in a, not in a, hey, man, shame or whatever. Um, I actually asked God to search me. And I, I said, I, I want to put my, my life, well, what's the fruit of my, my life? It's interesting because if you take out the word love and you just put your name in there, Keith is patient. Keith is kind. Keith is, you know, it's interesting because uh, it becomes this thing. And by the way, can I say, that, that's always a good thing to do. Can I tell you there's a difference? This is free. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. A lot of us live in, in shame and condemnation that we shouldn't be living under. What I mean by that is that if you are in Christ, you have been forgiven. You can be assured of that. But, but there is, the, the Holy Spirit does not necessarily condemn. And, and, and when I talk about condemnation, this is what Satan does. He's the accuser. He wants to keep us where we are and so discouraged we never move forward. But the Holy Spirit convicts us. And, 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 and condemnation is all about keeping us back. Conviction is always about taking us forward. And what I love is that the, when we're fruit inspectors, it's not like, oh, I'm so, that's terrible. It's just a conviction where it's like, for instance, I, I could see that, man, Marjorie Poe, there was, there was something there. There's something that marked her. And so I was, I was thinking about this this week. Love is patient. It literally means love is, love is long-suffering. It sticks around instead of running, instead of avenging oneself. The, the church fa- early church father, John Chrysostom, described it this way. He was talking about this. He said, this is the kind of love in which a a man who has been wronged and who has it within his power to easily avenge himself does not. It's it's long suffering. 
It, you know, I, I think a great illustration of this, if you've, if you've heard the story of when Abraham Lincoln was running for office, one of his political opponents was a guy by the name of Edwin Stanton. And, and as they were going, uh, as they were go, uh, going through the you know, politicking and all of that, doing the campaigning, Stanton was not a pleasant man. He called, he called Abraham Lincoln all kinds of names. He called him a hick. He called him a monstrosity. He referred to him as a gorilla. Like, I don't know that you could get away with that today, but, but he was not a kind man at all when it came to, to the, you know, his, whatever they did for campaign ads, like his debate speeches, he was not kind to, to Lincoln. Lincoln wins the election. Lincoln becomes president of the United States. And when it comes time, he has to appoint his cabinet for secretary of war. He tells his advisors, said, I want Edwin Stanton for that job. And they're like, do not hire that guy. Don't you remember what he said about you? He's like, I just want the best person for the job. He actually, he brings a lot to the table. And he said, I, he said, I can win him over. And they're like, it's going to be the worst. Do not do it. He's like, I want to, I want to do it. So he wants to, he reaches out to Edwin Stanton. Stanton agrees. And for the first year, two years, man, it is a lot of conflict. And, and some of the advisors are saying, you know, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. But, but here's the thing, Lincoln never reacted. Lincoln never, he, he could have fired him many times, never fired. He patiently sat down with him, listened to him, debated with him. At the end of the day, when Lincoln was assassinated, Edmund Stanton, who had been his opponent, said all kinds of terrible things about him. Out of all the people that were chosen to give eulogies, Stanton was one of them, and he stood up, and with tears running down his face, said, here lies the greatest ruler among men in the earth. And in a period of just a few years, Lincoln won over a man by patiently loving. It's interesting because love is patient, love is kind. It's almost like they're two sides of the coin. Because one is, is, is where, man, I'll, I'll take anything from my, from my enemies, which by the way, you're like, yeah, that's, that's just the way you get yourself in trouble. I didn't say it's a love without boundaries, but it's long suffering. And, and that, that, honestly, this was a characteristic of Christian love. Like in that day, the Greeks, they did not take that as, that, that was not an honor. In fact, if you study any of the Greek philosophers, Aristotle, for example, uh, praises seeking retribution. This, this is distinctly Christian. So you got this side of the coin, I'll, I'll, I'll stand there, I'll take it. And then the other side is, of the coin is, is kindness. It, literally the root of this Greek word that's translated kind is useful. It's a love that doesn't use. It's a love that is useful. Can, can I just pause? Can we just think about God and his love for us? Remember, this is the fruit of the spirit. We're becoming like who we hang out with. Has God been long suffering to you? Has he been patient with you? How many times have we cheated on God? To, to use that language, think about that. Any other person would have left us a long time ago. And yet God has stayed. God is, he has been faithful to you. He's been faithful to me. The reason I'm standing on this platform is because of his long suffering, his, his patient love, his kindness, his kindness. I was asking myself this week, you know, does, does this mark me? Because I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a high energy type of guy. I, I love to laugh. I'm sarcastic. I'm competitive. Like, 
I asked myself the question, you know, am I kind? You know, we begin to, to think about this. Uh, husbands, are we kind with our wives? Wives, are we kind with our, our husbands? What, what, what's this love? Is, is it a love that just, is, is it a love that has everything to do with, I love you enough to get you in bed with me and that's it? That's, that's, that's using, that's not useful. But yet, love is, man, I, I begin to ask myself, am I kind to my kids? Am, am I kind with my my parents, it's interesting, as you get older, uh, maybe your parents don't respond the way you want your parents to respond. And there's a frustration there, and oh, I'm gonna show them, I'm gonna fix them. Kind of, love is patient. Love, love is, is kind, we're talking about fruit, fruit inspection. Love does not envy or boast that, you know, when I, there's a different type, there's different types of envy and I got, I got to keep moving. Uh, there, there's an envy that's kind of like a superficial, shallow thing. Like I had a buddy of mine when I was like 10, he, he got a, a mini bike and I thought that was the coolest thing. And for the first 15 minutes that I went over to his house, he didn't want to let me ride it. He wanted to show me his mini bike by him riding on me watching. I'm like, <laughs> and like he's riding this mini bike around. I'm thinking, man, I wish I had a mini bike. I wish I had. Yeah, you know, and there are times that that, we, that thought might cross our mind. We see a friend of ours get a new car, and we're like, "Man, I wish that's not. Nice. I wish we had that ability or whatever." There's there's a superficial, but then there's 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 a toxic envy, which says that if I can't have it, I don't want you to have it either. It's what William Barclay calls the the meanness of the soul. Anybody remember the whole? Uh, uh, man, it was 1994, uh, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan thing. Okay, two ice skaters. Like some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So like there's these ice skaters. Tanya Harding was, was she wanted the gold and, and, and Nancy Kerrigan was her chief rival. They're on the same team. They're, they're potentially gonna be on the same team, but she knows that Nancy Kerrigan is, is her, uh, her biggest obstacle to getting gold. And so she, she works with, with someone as a whole whole court case and everything. Um, and she arranges or indirectly has part in Nancy Kerrigan being attacked. And with a, with a baton, they, they hit her, the guy attacks her, hits her knees. And, and she's not able to, to be at the qualification though. She was later given a, a spot. That right there is what I'm talking about. And, and, and again, when we look at this, this, this envy where it's like, if I can't have it, you can't have it either. This isn't love. So, so when he's describing love, he's showing us what it is. He's showing us what it isn't. So when we see this, we're like, well, well, if nothing else, we know that's not love. In fact, Paul, late in Galatians 5, he's, he said that that's actually a fruit of the flesh. And then, then there's this whole boasting thing in which there's this, this competition, I'm better than, than you are. And, and, and I, I, I've got to... You ever been around somebody and you're telling a story and, and the whole time, they're not even listening. They're, they, they're like, well, that's nothing. Let me tell you what I did. And they, they always gotta, anybody enjoy hanging out with that person? It's like Brian Regan, the comedian said, I said, I just wish I could walk on the moon. He said, nobody can top that. Like, what are they gonna say? Well, I walked on the moon too. Like, nobody's gonna top that. But, but, you know, there's this competition. It's like uh, in, in Philippians 1, the, the church apparently had written Paul a letter because Philippians, he's writing back to them and he's in jail. And they're saying, Paul, the, the, these, these guys are going around preaching a gospel. Then they're, they're teaching what, what you're teaching, except they're not doing it the same way you do it. And Paul writes back, he's like, what, what are you doing? He said, I, man, let's just rejoice in the fact that the gospel is being preached. Like not everybody in the world is gonna go to Grace Bible Church. I'm perfectly fine with that. In fact, I would say this, Grace Bible Church is not the church for everyone. 
Can I tell you this? I'm going to go ahead and meddle a little bit. Be careful when you come here from another church because I am friends with almost every pastor in town. And we have lunch quite frequently. And, and, and my, my, my whole point is that we're all on the same team. We're working the same. We do things differently. Like there's distinctives. Like there might be reasons you come here and not to another church or whatever. At the end of the day, we're, we're, we're on the same team. We're not competing. He's like, this, this love is not all about, hey, let's divide and conquer. It's, it's all about me. It's, 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 it's not nothing like that. It's not, it's not rude. It's not rude. It's gracious. I love this, man. You know, I, I love, it's not love and you're like, well, I don't care what you think, man. This is the way it is and this is just the way I am. Yeah, that's the way you are, but it's not like Jesus. Love, love's, love's not rude. Love isn't mean. Love isn't consumed with, with, with one's rights. It's not, it's not consumed with getting my own way. Husbands, wives, can we admit that a lot of the dysfunction and a lot of, uh, the, most of the conflict in our marriages come from the fact that we're just selfish? Let's just admit it. Let's quit blaming and, and saying, well, they, 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 they. Can we just say, I'm part of the issue? We're all, part of the, most of the conflict is that we're just irritable. It's, it's about me. And he's, he's like, yeah, that's fruit. But, but, but that's, that didn't come from the apple tree. That didn't come, that's not the fruit of the spirit. This, he, he's holding up a standard here. He's, he's letting us see we're becoming like him because we spend time with him. Love doesn't obsess over being done wrong. <laughs> when, when he says love is not resentful, resentful, uh, it comes from a Greek accounting term. You, anybody remember having to uh, keep a ledger, you know, the whole thing in the back of your checkbook? Anybody remember a checkbook? Anybody remember a checkbook? <laughs> like, I have a checkbook. I think I write like, three checks a year. Well, actually, no, I take that back. Like I will, I will write like for, if somebody graduates from high school or whatever, and I will write a check. I, if I had your Venmo, I would send you Venmo. I prefer, like, I, I'm just not a check guy, but, but like in the check, you'd always write down the debits and, and deposits. And, and some of you still do that. And you like, don't even know when I say Venmo, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're, you're good. You're good. But, but this whole accounting thing, you, you keep record of that because it's really important. You want to balance things at the end of the day. He's like, no, he said, there's, there's no balancing here because, because again, think about this. We're, we're, we're becoming like God. When we show up at the judgment, if we are in Christ, Am I fearing the judgment? No. You know why? I'm going to stand up there knowing that I have a lot of stuff in my past and there's not going to be any record of wrong because the bill's been paid. And, 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 and so for us to say, yeah, I want to be like Jesus, but I'm holding on to this, man. I'm not going to forget. Listen, it's not that we necessarily forget what has, has taken place, but we choose to let it go. And can I tell you, that's what God does. It's not like God has a faulty memory, like he just forgets that we were in sin. He chooses to put it away. He makes a choice. I think one of the greatest things that we can do as, as, as Christians, as God begins to transform us, is we, we start singing that good old Disney song, let it go, let it go. Like literally. I have so much talent, I just, it's wrong. <laughs> No, man, I, lo I love Psalm, uh, Psalm 32.1. Blesses the one whose transgression is, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Paul wrote in Romans 4.8, blesses the man against, the, against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That's what God's done for us. And you know what he does? He begins to transform us so much that that fight that you had with your sister 22 years ago that you still won't talk about, he's like, I'm gonna deal with that because you gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. 
Because love is not resentful. It doesn't seek its own. It doesn't enjoy sin. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then we read the rest of what he has here. He says that love never ends. Love never ends. What, what this means, I'm gonna leave you with this thought. Real Christian love does not have an expiration date. Love never ends. He says everything else is gonna pass away. Prophecies, tongues, knowledge, they'll cease, they'll pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. What he's saying is this. There's gonna be a day when, when knowledge isn't gonna be necessarily like growing in knowledge because we know. We're gonna, we're gonna thank God that we're gonna be in heaven one day. We are going to know. We're not gonna have to have faith for what is to come because we're not gonna walk by faith. We're gonna walk by sight. We're there, we're home. We're not gonna have to hope and anticipate because it's there. All of these things are gonna pass away. Can I tell you the spiritual gift that is gonna go on and on and on through all eternity is love. You know why? Because when God wanted to describe himself, he did so through the pen of John as he was writing 1 John and he wrote this, God is love. It's literally the essence of who he is and he will pass this on to his people. He will transform us. He will transform us. What I like is that, you know, we, we, we end with, with 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and, and they're like, oh, that was a great chapter. But I, wanna, I want you to look at the, the first two words of the next chapter. Chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love. That's what he says. Pursue love. Oh, well, how, 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 I mean, how do I pursue love? How, how do I do this? Uh, I thought you just said that, that I can't make, no, no. He said, pursue love. Who is love? God. Pursue God, pursue love. The more time you, the, the, the longer you spend with a person, the more you become like a person. And this is where we come full circle back to where we started. Holiness always begins with God, not us. What I love is we don't do more good things to become godly. No, simply we walk by the spirit we're led by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit and we keep step with the Spirit. And God does this beautiful thing of transforming us from the inside out. Just before COVID hit, I was back in Indiana and Marjorie Poe had moved to a small little home from the, from the home that she had lived in. Actually, it was a, it was a tiny little two-room uh, two apartment, like literally, uh, maybe it was, might've had a kitchen, a bathroom, and a, anyway, it was a small little apartment. She had cancer, and I'd heard that she had cancer, didn't have, uh, didn't have a lot of time, and I, I had a feeling this might be one of the last times that I could see her. Just a little time before, tragically, uh, a good friend of mine, her daughter, and her husband had, had died tragically and in a, in a, they'd been hit by, head on by a, by a driver who was under the influence, if I remember correctly. She had been through great tragedy. She'd lost another son due to consequences from sin. And long, long story short, I just, I hadn't seen her for a while. And I wondered, is Marjorie still Marjorie? Went over to her house and I walk in and I, I'm, I'm going there. I'm now Pastor Keith, you know. I'm gonna pray with her and all that. She hugs me. She tells me how proud she is of me. Talks about all those times we had spending in her living room when we were all crazy kids. And then again, she tells me 
how good God is and how faithful he's been. And man, it was literally like I'm sitting around and I feel somebody throw on a coat like a coat over your shoulders of a cold person, they, they throw a coat on. It's almost like, like the, the, the love of God just flowed through. And I walked away after we prayed together. I knew it was probably the last time I was gonna see her and it was. I walked away. I remember telling God, I wanna love like Marjorie. I, I want the same love that Marjorie has. And, but, but here's the thing, you know what? We can, we have the same spirit. She walked with God. And so, because of that, she had the fruit of the Spirit. As we walk with God, we become like the one that we walk with. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to transform this group of people. Lord, I'm, I'm praying that what the church, your church, the people that make up grace are, are known for is not our talent, is not the amount of work we can get done, uh, how much knowledge we have. But God, I'm praying at the end of the day, if there's anything that we're known for, we'll be known for the spiritual gift that's gonna last for all eternity. And God, as I hang out with you, Lord, as we walk with you, would you transform us and make us like you? And for what you're gonna continue to do, as we pursue love, we pursue you. I wanna thank you for this. Thanks for how you're gonna transform us and you're gonna transform the people around us. And so God, may the world know that we are Christians by the love that we have for each other. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. good to have you here. We'll see you next Sunday here dismissed.